0: Good morning to you all and a very, very warm welcome to worship here today on a brighter morning, I'm pleased to say, than we've experienced recently. It's nice to see the sky a bit lighter, change from the grey. Our midweek service will be held on Thursday as usual at 10.30 and next week there will be tea and coffee after the service because it's the last Sunday of the month. So next Sunday, if you can remember to stay a little longer. I know, I can see shock on your faces, it's the last Sunday of the month, but it is. And also please remember that next week the clocks change, (laughs) because if you don't remember that, you'll be arriving in time for the tea and coffee. (laughs) Beginning in April... So that's not next week, but the week after. The offering is going to be uplifted during the service. It will be uplifted during the first hymn and not at the front door. Those on door duty will remind you as you're coming in. Um, So we're going to go back to passing the plate round. Please don't worry if you contribute by standing order. Um, You don't need to put something into the plate, but it will be passed round to give everyone the opportunity to contribute. Bible study meets on Wednesdays from 7 to 8 in the small hall. The craft team on Tuesdays from 1 to 4. And many, many thanks to all who supported the coffee and cards yesterday. The magnificent sum, wait for it, of £489.45 was raised yesterday. And I would like to thank everyone who came along, and I would also like to thank those in the craft team who put all the work in to produce the cards in the first place. I think a wee round of applause. (laughs) and share lunch as usual on Friday from half past 12 until two. And advance notice that the Guild will meet on Monday the 27th of March, when the speaker will be Alec Blair talking about local history. Country dancing meets Thursday of this week at half past seven. Material for the next Kirkgate Messenger should go to Elizabeth by next Sunday. Please remember, end of the month. Material for the Messenger. We're going to have a spring clean here in Kirkgate on Saturday the 1st of April from half past nine onwards. And we're going to be cleaning and tidying out the cupboards in the back corridor so if that's something that you could spare a couple of hours to help with then please come along for that it was good fun the last time we had good chat as we worked upbeats choir will be performing in park church on friday the 24th of march that's this friday at seven thirty, and there is a poster about that out beside the door out that way and also park are having messy church on saturday the 25th of march from four to six children must be accompanied by an adult and lastly there are vases in the kitchen which are surplus to our requirements some of them are very nice if you think that you might like a little vase for your house then please go through to the kitchen at the end of the service and give a vase a new home if they're not chosen for new homes then they'll go to a charity shop folks okay and I'd like to welcome Andrew, who's preaching um, in place of Nigel this
1: morning. <laughs> well, good morning, and uh, a very happy Mother's Day to all the mothers and grandmothers that we have here today, uh, or maybe watching and listening at home. I um, might have wondered why I nicked out and have come back with my gown and preaching scarf. All will be revealed later. <laughs> Put it this way, if I hadn't put them on, uh, my all-age talk would have been down the river. (laughs) And uh, anyway, as I say, welcome to worship this morning. Our call to worship this morning is taken from Isaiah, and it's especially for Mother's Day. Come worship the God who said, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. So we'll now come before God and sing to his praise with our first hymn, which is It's traditional in Scotland. They used to always start with a psalm. So we're going to start with a psalm this morning. And it's all people that on earth do dwell.
2: Heavenly Father, we come to praise you just because you are so great and so wonderful. Your power is complete and there is no weakness in you. There is nothing you do not know. We praise you that you see everything to the ends of the earth and deep into our lives. We thank you that there is nothing you do not fully understand. Father, we praise you for your greatness and your supreme authority. It gives us hope and strength as we come to you this morning. We come to you, Father, because in Jesus Christ, your Son, you first came to us. We thank you that you always make the first move. You do not wait to be asked, to create, to love, to forgive, or to send Christ to be our Saviour. You made the first move and you loved us before we loved you. Father, it is when we become aware of your majesty that we realize how small our lives are. It is when we begin to grasp your glory that we can be held by your grace. It is when we are crushed by life that we are glad to be strengthened by the knowledge of the empty cross. It is when we are defeated by our attempts to follow Jesus that we are glad to be encouraged by the knowledge of the empty tomb. Father, we praise you because of Jesus. It is him and through your love that we have come to know him as our friend and our brother. It is through him that we know you as father and that we can be your children. Thank you for everyone who makes Jesus real for us. Thank you for everyone whose words and deeds make it easier for us to put our trust in you. Forgive us when we are selfish and our greed makes it harder for others to know you. Forgive us for the times we hurt you and hurt each other. We ask that your love and your power will change our lives and that we will become channels of your love and hope to those we meet. Father, we sometimes forget to say thank you for the basic things. You give us our homes which are sheltered and warm, family and friends, water and food. Father, we're very aware that in this world today, there is war and hatred. There are earthquakes where many thousands have lost their homes. There is food shortages and people are starving. Father, help us to understand these issues more and guide each of us to help where and when we can. All these things we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, who taught us when to pray together to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever.
1: Amen. Thank you, Margaret. Um, Right, I said earlier on that um, I don't usually put my gown and preaching scarf on. Uh, I tend nowadays to only put them on on formal occasions like if I'm conducting a funeral service or I always put it on on Remembrance Sunday um, and have my poppy on my preaching scarf but I thought I'd put it on this morning because it's Mother's Day and also you notice that I'm wearing usually I wear a a kind of plain very plain tie but this morning I've got this tartan one on and I'll tell you where it all fits in on the 28th of October, 2014, uh, I was in this church in the evening, and uh, we had the pews there, and I was sitting on my own in the front pew because I was being set apart. I don't know if I like that expression, <laughs> though uh, one of my relatives did say, when is it you're going to be set aside? <laughs> the, anyway, I was being set apart as a reader in the Church of Scotland. And uh, I was sitting there, and my, my incidentally, my, I used to do a lot of pantomimes. Uh, I used to write them and perform them. Usually I was the baddie, but sometimes I was the dame. And my daughter was sitting behind me, and she said, when time comes, she said, are we allowed to boo? <laughs> and later on, when uh, I had to stand, and they said, do you... This is for the, the adults, adults who fully understand. If you know me, you'll understand why, and it's... <coughs> so the form of words was something like, do you uphold the Presbyterian form of government and continue to support it, etc." And I said, I do, you know. And I think my daughter was going to jump up and say, oh, no, he doesn't. <laughs> anyway, that was the 28th of October. On the 30th of October, it was my birthday. I was 34. I think it, was, it ended in four anyway, but so, so it was my birthday and on my birthday my mum always gave me a cheque because she didn't know what to buy me and she was at that stage she was 98, so she didn't go out to the shops much, anyway, <coughs> excuse me, uh, the cheque that she gave me was exactly equal, I should have said on the night I was set apart, I got the right expression, the presbytery gave me this preaching scarf. So I thought, well, if I'm going to use it, I really need a a formal gown to go with it. And it so happened that the amount of money that my mum gave me was exactly equal to the cost of this gown. And I was able at a later date to take it down to see her and she saw me with the gown on and the preaching scarf and she was very pleased with it. And so I thought I'd put it on this morning because it reminds me of my mum. Sadly, on the 28th of October 2015, my mum passed away and so i never got another birthday present for her, (laughs) but she was 99 and though it was quite sad, it wasn't really too sad because we believe, because we're Christians, we believe that that is not the end. In fact, somebody said in the Bible study we had the other night, it's just the beginning. Anyway, the other reason I put this tie on is this tie is I wore it to my son's wedding, which was about five weeks after my mum passed. And originally I was supposed to wear the, the part of my son and uh, best man and the ushers were all wearing kilts in this tartan. Originally, myself and my daughter-in-law's uh, father were supposed to wear kilts as well. But uh, the other father uh, is South African in origin, and he was not wearing a kilt. <laughs> so that got me off the hook, so we wore dark grey suits, but we got ties in the tartan. What's that got to do with my mum? Because our her son's wedding, uh, I read, it happens it's my favorite bit of scripture, Corinthians 13, the chapter, the one that ends the greatest of you know, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And I read it at my son's wedding. But five weeks prior to that, at my mum's funeral service, it was her favorite bit of scripture, and I'd read it then. And so I thought this morning remembering my mum and of course mothers are great people well none of us would be here if we didn't have a mother but when I think back to my mum my mum I wouldn't be standing here today if it wasn't for my mum my mum was a, a very caring person she took me along with my father as well to to Sunday school regularly and I progressed through the bible class and eventually you know, a member of the church and then moved on became more active and so on but the fact that you young ones are coming along here is thanks largely to mums and grandmums and things. And we hope that at the end of the day the time will come when you're a bit bigger, when you make a commitment and you say, invite Jesus into your life. You can have Jesus in your life now, but when you're a bit older, make that final but if you didn't come along, you wouldn't know about it. You wouldn't know about Jesus. And the sad thing is that many people today don't, and they have no idea. But my memory of my mum we used to get some real laughs at her. Um, she was the, I won't go into all the details. But she, uh, at one stage, she was making a monk's habit for a pantomime. And she died, and she was trying it on. And then she discovered she couldn't get it off. And the doorbell went, and it was the minister. <laughs> That was, that was the kind of thing that happened to my mum <laughs> anyway but I remember her I very little remember her as a very caring person she was the kind of person if when I was a boy if any neighbours were in trouble or somebody was ill or there was a problem she was the first day and she was a very giving person and um, so today I thought right, I'll remember her Remember fondly and uh, hope you all be grateful for your your mums and your grandmums and all the rest. Okay. Well, I think we'll let you, I think we talked long enough, we'll let you you escape. But we're going to have our next hymn, and it is I, the Lord of Sea and Sky. I remember this thing. (laughs) Before our young people leave, I would like to join together in prayer for Mother's Day. So if we could join our hearts in prayer. Dear Jesus, we thank you for mothers everywhere, for all who care for us day by day. And let us not forget that you were a child and your mother Mary. We say thank you for mums across the world in our country too. Although we may not say it, we think you are the best. We thank you for all mothers and carers around the world and for all they do for their children. We thank you for their patience when we don't get things right. We thank you for their encouragement when we find life hard. We pray mums would feel really special today and that you would remind us every day to show them as much love and help as they gave to us so let us give grateful thanks and let our voices be heard for all the mums and grands on this very special day and we ask this in jesus name amen and i think we'll be seeing them again later Um, our reading this morning is taken from the old testament taken from first samuel Uh, Chapter sixteen from verses one to thirteen and Pam is going to read for us.
3: First Samuel chapter sixteen. David is anointed king. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you go on grieving over Saul? I have rejected him as King of Israel. But now get some olive oil and go to Bethlehem to a man named Jesse because I have chosen one of his sons to be king. How can I do that? Samuel asked. If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord answered, Take a calf with you and say that you are there to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will tell you what to do. You will anoint as king the man I tell you to. Samuel did what the Lord told him to do and went to Bethlehem where the city leaders came trembling to meet him and asked, Is this a peaceful visit, seer? Yes, he answered, I have come to offer a sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me. He also told Jesse and his sons to purify themselves, and he invited them to the sacrifice. When they arrived, Samuel saw Jesse's son Eliab and said to himself, This man standing here in the Lord's presence is surely the one he has chosen. But the Lord said to him, pay no attention to how tall and handsome he is. I have rejected him because I do not judge as man judges. Man looks at the outward appearance, but I look at the heart. Then Jesse called his son Abinadab and brought him to Samuel. But Samuel said, no, the Lord hasn't chosen him either. Jesse then brought Shammah. No, the Lord hasn't chosen him either, Samuel said. In this way, Jesse brought seven of his sons to Samuel, and Samuel said to him, No, the Lord hasn't chosen any of these. Then he asked him, Have you any more sons? Jesse answered, There is still the youngest, but he is out taking care of the sheep. Tell him to come here, Samuel said. We won't offer the sacrifice until he comes. So Jesse sent for him. He was a handsome, healthy young man and his eyes sparkled. The Lord said to Samuel, this is the one, anoint him. Samuel took the oil of oil and anointed David in front of his brothers. Immediately the spirit of the Lord took control of David and was with him from that day on. Then Samuel returned to Ramah. Amen. And may God add his blessing to this reading of his holy word.
1: In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the modern world, and by modern world I mean the end of the last century and the start of this century, uh, image and uh, appearance plays a very big part in things. I'm always reminded of the 1960 presidential election in the United States when I think it was the first one to be where the debates were televised. And when they appeared, uh, John F. Kennedy uh, was there in a dark suit. He was well made up and white shirt and gave the impression of being very confident and good speaker. Meanwhile, poor Richard Nixon wasn't well. And he appeared with a light-colored suit, And he hadn't been made up properly, and he appeared to have what we call you know a five o'clock shadow. And because he wasn't well, he was starting to sweat. And he came across as being kind of shifty and not as confident and so on. And it was impressive that at the end of that the people who'd watched the debate on television had come out with a fair majority for John F. Kennedy. The people that listened to it on the radio and couldn't see them were the opposite. They'd come out in favor of Nixon. Now, there may be sociological reasons about radio listeners and TV watchers, but anyway. But there's a clear indication that that helped to tip the election in John Kennedy's favor, just his appearance. Now, when Samuel came to look for a new king, uh, he fell into the same trap. He was going by... uh, so earthly attributes now we better say why he was looking for a new king ok we're told that God was dissatisfied with Saul because Saul had disobeyed God and the, the final straw of disobedience is a bit, it's a bit grisly um, through Samuel um, God had told Saul to attack the Amalekites and to kill every one of them the whole lot, and to destroy all their property and goods. And Saul had not done that. In fact, he left the king, Agag, I think you pronounce it, he'd taken him prisoner. And he didn't destroy all the goods, he let his soldiers take some of them as plunder. And so Samuel said, no, 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 this is not right, you have disobeyed God and Saul tried to get round it by saying, Well, look, uh, we're we going to take these things to sacrifice them to God, which may or may not have been true. And he well, indicated that he'd let his men plunder because they might turn against him. Because at that time, I mean, Saul was the first king, but Israel wasn't a, a nation in the way that we think of nations now. It was a collection of, you know, 12 tribes that were only loosely held together. And I think Paul, Saul was nervous that he might not be able to hold this coalition together and get them to acknowledge him as king. However, Samuel took a hard line, and he said, you disobeyed God, God no longer wants you as king. And it's recorded in scripture that Samuel never spoke to him again, never met with him again, although it's said in scripture that he grieved for him. Now, they couldn't just go say, right Saul, you're gone, we we'll get a new king. But the idea was that Saul would continue to reign until the end of his life, uh, and but they would have a replacement ready in place. And it's a little bit like years ago in the church that Vivian and I grew up in, uh, we put on a, a, I wouldn't call it a play, but a dramatic presentation for, I think it was the 100th anniversary of the church, and they had various past ministers represented by people acting out. Uh, and I was one of them, it was, uh, it was uh, um, one of the ministers. The one that I got, unfortunately, was the one that uh, died in the Spanish flu epidemic in 1918. So, but at one point, they, the church had decided to, uh, the minister, one of the ministers was coming up towards retirement and they wanted to get him, they said, a, a, a colleague and successor. And the joke in the play was that one of the elders misheard it and said, why are we want to get the minister a collie, dog, and setter? <laughs> but that was the idea. But this wasn't going to be the case with Saul. If Saul had got wind of that somebody was being anointed as king, he would have gone after them. Uh, the story of how David got in with Saul is a, is a story for another day. But uh, Samuel was directed to go to Bethlehem, and that this the new king would be a son of jesse so what he was to do he, he arrived in bethlehem and he was to say that he was going to have a sacrifice to god and he would invite jesse and his sons to the sacrifice now even though samuel was obeying god he falls into the trap of assigning worldly values and attributes to the king or the prospective king well The sons are paraded in front of him, starting with Eliab, and and Samuel gets that, no, he's not the one, but he's a fine figure of a man, you know, and uh, potentially a great leader, and no. So he goes through all the sons, and they're all rejected. No, no. So they get to the end, and there's nobody left. And so Samuel kind of says, well, have you not got another? Oh, yeah, well, we've got the youngest, and he's, but he's uh, watching the sheep. So he said, well, get him here, get him here. Um, because the, the last thing they needed was another Saul. It, it described that Saul was head and shoulders. He was a fine, figure of man, a, a good warrior, and so on and so forth. But now God wanted somebody different. You see... God could see their needs before they were even aware of it. And one factor that we often forget is that God's guidance is usually not discernible in the any moment. It's only with hindsight that we can see the guidance. Anyway, God was seeing their needs. The thing is that God looks into our hearts The word word that was used was in the the original Hebrew, I think, was ra, which doesn't mean seeing as in I'm looking at you and I can see you. It means looking inside the person to see who they are. Now, we might think of ourselves as good people. Um, I haven't robbed any banks lately and uh, haven't assaulted anybody or stolen anything, but God knows what is inside. He knows our feelings of envy and hatred and selfishness. But he selects David. Uh, He's been away with the sheep because he sees in David the qualities that are needed. David is concerned about God's concerns. He's committed to what God has committed to. He's grieved by what God's grieved by, and he loves what God loves. Now, it's very significant that he's looking after the sheep, because in ancient times, the shepherd was a symbol of kingship. And David is fulfilling his future vocation, which isn't looking after animals, the sheep, but looking after his people as a shepherd, his sheep. Now, here we see a complete parallel to Jesus. Because Jesus was not what people expected. He was not the mighty king that was going to sweep the Romans out and so on. And he was to be a shepherd to his people. And Jesus frequently talked about lost sheep. And uh, that's the way we think. So there's a parallel here, and it's no coincidence that particularly Matthew was very keen to point out that Jesus came from the house of David. However, what does this say to us? Well, Israel was in need of a shepherd, somebody to take care of them, guard them, nurture them, and of course, so do we. I also think we make a mistake in modern society by being taken in by image. Just need to look at all the adverts on TV. And I often think that the, you know, the, the families that are portrayed in adverts are not really uh, families as we know them. <laughs> and uh, they're just a little too perfect. And it's this idea of possessing things, and we, we are often taken in by celebrity. I think we live in a cult of celebrity, where sometimes people are just celebrities for being celebrities. And the danger is often that celebrities and the like will sound off about things. And they have, particularly in the modern day with uh, social media, and people take these in, millions of people take it in. And quite frankly, in some cases, they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> But they reach people. And uh, I mean, I'm not wanting to have a go at Gary Lineker, but Gary Lineker's got something like two million followers on Twitter. And Gary Lineker, uh, and I don't mean, well, I do actually mean it as a bit of criticism. Um, he was a very good footballer. Uh, he's arguably a very good presenter on television. He's very good at talking to ex footballers about football. But I would suggest that I've actually got a great deal more knowledge of what was said in 1930s Germany than he has, but I don't have two million followers on Twitter. So I think we've got to be careful. The thing is, the message here is that you can't fool God. God sees into the deepest recesses of our heart and soul, and you can't lie. You can't make excuses. You can't say, oh, well, actually I can make, if I do something wrong and I could make an excuse and say, well, I didn't realize There's no point in doing that because God knows your motivation, why you did something. And there's no point in trying to make an excuse. And if God can see into the deepest recesses of our hearts, that's scary, that is frightening. But we have hope. I want to read you just a piece from First John, it's chapter three, and he says, "For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and He knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Now, how can any of us have?" Confidence before God and the light of what we know is in our heart. Well, if you go on to the next chapter of 1 John, he says, The Father has sent his Son to be the Saviour of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So we're now coming to the crux of the matter. As Christians, we believe that God has love for us and the ultimate sign of that love is Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he made. That's why we can have confidence that what is in our hearts will not be held against us. And I don't often quote a lot of scripture, but I think on this occasion, to show you why I'm convinced that Absolutely, this is true. I want to read uh, a piece from um, John's Gospel. Just one verse. Let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith in our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience. And then in Hebrews, it's written, for God said, let light shine out of darkness. It has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And finally, Paul in Corinthians says, in chapter 4, verse 6, he says, God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So there we have the reassurance that because of Jesus and his sacrifice, everything is different in regard to the fact that God sees into our hearts. And we might feel like no one in the world understands our struggles, but God sees. We might carry with us hurt, fears, regrets. God sees it, and God can take it away through Christ Jesus. And really, there's no need to dwell on the past because of that. Yes, we should learn by our mistakes and the things that we do wrong, but we shouldn't dwell on it. That isn't to say that we have got license to go on um, sinning. It's not a license. There was one group in the the end of the 16th, 17th century in Europe, and I've forgotten their name because it's a year since I looked at it. But they believed that they uh, were receiving the grace of God whenever they confessed their sins. So they confessed their sins, and then they went off and did something else because they would be able to go and confess and get the grace of God again. That, that's not what is implied. Forgiveness, yes, but to make a fresh start. Uh, if you want to understand what I suppose Jesus was about, I think I've told it before, but it's, it's not mine. I got it from, um, it was Ross Mitchell up in West Kilbride. And he tells the story of a judge who has a friend brought before him in court. And he finds the man guilty. And he finds him a large amount of money. And then the judge takes off his gown, walks down, takes out his checkbook, signs for the amount of the fine and hands it over to the clerk of the court. And that is the analogy with Jesus. He he has paid for our sins. And we should acknowledge that. So, what am I saying? We should strive to be the best that we can be because of that wonderful gift of forgiveness that we have through the cross. So finally, I would say to you, sum up. Jesus sees all. Sorry, God sees all. Sorry. God sees all. And through Jesus Christ, forgives all. Let us pray. Once more, we thank you for that precious gift of Jesus Christ. That same Jesus Christ who has taken away the sins of the world. And has put us right with God for eternity. Amen. Our next hymn is a familiar one, was The Lord's My Shepherd. Uh, but I think I asked Stuart yes, we're doing it to the, the Stuart Townsend. That's correct, the version. so it's the Stuart Townsend version of The Lord's My Shepherd. Let us once more join our hearts in prayer. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we commit these gifts to your service. May they be used wisely and for the good of your church. Gracious God, rejoicing in your blessings, trusting in your loving care for all, we bring you our praise for the world. We pray for the created world for those who rebuild where things have been destroyed, for those who fight hunger, poverty, and disease, for those who have the power to bring change for the better and to renew hope. We pray for our country, for our king and his family, for those who frame our laws and shape our common life, for those who keep the peace and administer justice, for those who teach, those who heal, all who serve the community. We pray for people in need, those for whom life is a bitter struggle, those whose lives are clouded by death or loss, by pain or disability, by discouragement or fear, by shame or rejection. We pray for those in the circle of friendship and love around us, children and parents, sisters and brothers, Friends and neighbours. And in a moment of silence, we especially bring before you those known to us who are needed and loved. Lord God, we pray for the Church in its stand with the poor, in its love for the outcast and the ashamed, in its service to the sick and the neglected in its proclamation of the gospel in this land and in this place. And we ask all of this in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm reminded, um, before we go on to the last hymn, it's uh, based on um, Pilgrim's Progress. And I can remember, years ago, when I was a boy and I got the Eagle comic, and they actually serialised Pilgrim's progress in the Eagle. Can you imagine that happening <laughs> But that's the way things were. I can remember them as well, uh, telling the story of King David. And, uh, but anyway, our final closing hymn, Is, as I say, based on uh, John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, and it was Who Would True Valacy? didn't want to give them out any earlier in the service because even if you put them in your bag, you've got the hot floor. (laughs) Ever practical. I was going to hand them out a different time. It was Vivian that said, no, no, save it to the end. (laughs) Anyway, let us go from here rejoicing that we are precious to God. May his blessing touch our families and all who are precious to us. May we, as the family of God, Shine as precious stones reflecting his love. Illume our homes with the light of your love. And the blessing of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest and remain with us now and forevermore.